Thanks for listening to the Life Church Boise weekly podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Mark Bohr. For any other messages or other resources, please visit us at lcboise.com. You might even be stirred up to go back and listen to the first several parts. Uh, I believe it'll be helpful to you. I've received much response uh, this summer, much response concerning these teachings as to how helpful it has been to keep the devil out of people's lives. This series is called The Devil's Trap, and uh, we're staying out of it. Let's read Ephesians chapter 4 again. Verse 26, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Say that last phrase with me. Nor give place to the devil. The devil is here to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to wreak havoc and take your life apart. And the only way he's going to be able to do that is if you allow him to, if you give him place. Some might do that unknowingly. You might have given place to the devil not knowing you were doing so. Uh, But usually you can see the results in the fruit of what happens. And really that's destruction, that's death. Uh, But at the same time, now that we can see this in scripture the Lord is helping us to recognize how he gets in what doors are left open what opportunities he has given because uh, when we see that we can just easily cut that area off and we can stop doing things the way you know we've been doing them that has allowed uh, the enemy to come in and attack and to bring death and destruction Uh, reminding you again the amplified Bible reads verse 27 Leave no such room or foothold for the devil. Give no opportunity to him. And then the easy to read version says it this way. Don't give the devil a way to defeat you. Now that's pretty straightforward and clear. If you've been run over in life, quit letting that happen. (laughs) That might not sound nice (laughs) to someone who's been run over, but if we begin to see this from God's perspective, we'll recognize this this and see the hope, the expectation of a better tomorrow, a better future, because we can literally close these doors. Well, we've seen in, in weeks past how the enemy is the accuser. He's bringing accusation against you before the Father. He's trying to get a judgment against us so that he can uh, have access so the hedge would be uh, lowered and be removed. Uh, But we're wising up to his strategies, aren't we? And we're saying, I'm not going to let this happen anymore. Uh, I've been able to identify uh, several ways, what really I call this bait, that he uses to get us into his trap. And I know in one sense you might be able to say, well, any type of sin or any type of wrongdoing, that would certainly be uh, how the, de- the devil gets in. Um, and I wouldn't disagree with that, but it's interesting to me as I study and as we bring these messages that it's, there are areas that are not directly what we typically think of as sin that gets implemented in people's lives and it's allowing the devil to get access. Meaning this, they didn't kill, they didn't uh, lie, they didn't commit adultery, they didn't steal from someone. You know, these things that we obviously say, ah, sin. It's not those type of things, although, you know, involvement in anything that's wrong is you know, wrong and not helpful in any way whatsoever, but it seems to be there are other avenues that can be more subtle, more sneaky, and we think, hey, I'm not living some 
demonic, devilish life. I'm living for the Lord. But then there's these little areas that we kind of didn't give attention to. And so we've been focusing on some of them. And I want to go a little bit further today talking to you about uh, another way that the enemy gets people into his trap. And that is the issue of offense. You know, I would never be in the place I am today. We would, this church would not exist if I had yielded myself and given into this strategy of the enemy to get me offended. And I tell you, we all have opportunity in the ministry. You have an opportunity to galore to be ticked off at people. I don't know if that even if that comes across right, but. I'm just saying whenever you put yourself out there to do something for God and especially if it's in a if it's in a public way you're going to be criticized and, and you're going to be attacked at different times and I tell you that's the enemy at work to try to discourage to try to upset to try to offend so that you stop doing the will of God and if you do not learn how to deal with it your influence in life will be minimal your 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 usefulness to god will be minimal you you will probably not live for god fully all of all of your days see he's coming after you especially if you want to do something for god you want to live for him he's coming after you to disrupt that plan because again what, what what are we talking about you get in his trap you do his will the devil you stay out of that trap, you're free to be used of God. You're free for Him to use you mightily and powerfully. And uh, it, it's a really important thing. So I know that I would not be where I am today, and, and many of us would not be where we are today if we had not learned to deal properly with those feelings, with, those, uh, with the anger, with the hurt, with the offense. We have to know how to deal with that. Because I cannot wash it away and say, it's never going to happen again. Listen, you're never going to have an opportunity. Well, uh, see in heaven. I mean, you're safe. You're clear. You're in the clear there. But here, we have to know how to respond to this kind of stuff. All right. If you would look with me at Mark chapter 4 today, uh, again, I... I'm focusing on this. I think it's really the same trap. It's just different bait being taken captive to do the devil's will. Um, And if the devil can get and keep you or me offended, he wins. We lose. Uh, What happens frequently in this regard is when, when someone does us wrong, we usually feel justified in our response. They did me wrong. They treated me this way. Uh, It was unjust. It was unfair. And and therefore, my feelings are justified. I'm in the right. And so we maintain this, this position of hurt or anger or offense. And it's justified in our mind. But here's the, here's the deal. You might be correct in the sense that the other person did you wrong or you are just in feeling this way, but you still lose. That's the point of this. You still lose. You still fell into the trap. And now that person did you wrong, and you're going to suffer as a result of what they did and how you feel from that what they did, and then you're going to suffer continually and repeatedly by holding on to it. So it's a, I mean, it's a lose-lose there. We've got to learn how to turn this thing around. Um, the devil will often use what others do to take you captive if you let him. Uh, we we uh, frequently will use this type of language with individuals. 
who have gone through a hardship, gone through some kind of uh, trouble in their life. We'll say, you know what? If we'll turn this situation over to the Lord, if we'll trust Him in the middle of this bad situation, God can still bring good out of it. God can still turn it around. He can still do something even though it's been bad. He can turn it and use some things for His glory. And so let's trust Him in the middle of this situation. Well, here's the deal. Just like a bad situation, potentially, if we do the right thing in the middle of it, can be turned around for good. You know the other possibility? is the bad situation can get worse. Be encouraged. (laughs) If God gets involved, it can turn around for better. But if He doesn't, but if the enemy is continually allowed access to have a foothold, it can get worse than ever. Yeah. You know that bad month? It could turn into a bad year. You know that bad year could turn into bad five years. Hallelujah. (laughs) But listen, it's up to us. How are we going to deal with it? How are we going to respond to it? I know some individuals will say, well, you know, all things work together for good. That's a scripture in Romans 8. All things work together for good. You can't just automatically take that out of context and apply it to everything everywhere. Well, it's all just going to work out. I know a whole bunch of people it didn't work out very well for. Huh? Huh? So what are you doing with it? Dealing with that scripture? Well, you've got to read the context. I don't want to go in and teach that today. There are factors there that play into that. It's not just automatic. We've got to respond correctly. And if we will, I tell you, things can turn around. You can get stronger. Amen? You can, you can, you can get better. And uh, one of the things that I've noticed about life is, um, you know, when there's an offense, if I continue in it, that means I basically just seal that unjust act up in my heart. It hit me, and then I've embraced it. I'm going to keep on holding on to it. You ever noticed in life that it's, just look back through your life. Probably all of us can say, I've been cut. I've been bruised. I'm talking physically. I've been maybe broken, <laughs> broken bones. You know, that's pretty normal in a fallen world. Uh, things bleed, and but, but, but what, what else is normal? Healing. I mean, you can see that outside of something extreme, God designed that we would heal. It's His will that we be healthy. You cut yourself, and then you heal. So we've all gone through that. We've been bruised, and then it's the bruise is gone, and then we've been cut, and later healing. What if someone you know comes and shows, shows you and say, "Hey, I, I cut my hand." I, oh, yeah, I see that. You've got a cut on your hand. When did you do that? Three years ago. <laughs> Might be something more going on here. Because <laughs> that's not normal for it not to heal. You're not surprised because there are sharp objects in the world. Not surprised that someone might cut themselves. But for them not to heal, that would be surprising. Huh? And likewise, it is the way we deal with relationships and people and circumstances, things that attack us and, and harm us in life, and, and we feel it emotionally. Okay, am I surprised if someone says that that happened to them or something happened that really hurt them? No, been around long enough, not surprised. But what about if that was three years ago? There's something more serious going on. It's not supposed to be that way. You're not supposed to still be hurting from that. If you are, 
something can change. Something needs to change because it is the enemy trying to get in and affect your life. Now, now, I told you to go to Mark chapter 4. Let me, let me remind you of this verse before we read there. Okay? In, uh, in Matthew 24, Jesus was talking about the days preceding his return. One of the things he said would be, um, uh, would be normal for this day, for the time before the Lord's return, is he said in verse 10, many will be offended. Wow. Junk. That's now. <laughs> many will be offended. That will betray one another and will hate one another. And so we should recognize, hey, the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, the more prominent this kind of activity is going to be around us, which means we have a certainly a good opportunity to get involved if we don't know better. But we do know better, and we're going to stay out of the enemy's trap. But that's normal. People are being offended, and, uh, and we've got to watch out for it. Now, Jesus taught in Mark chapter 4 uh, a parable that we refer to, it's, as the scripture states, the, the parable of the sower, all right? And, and the sower or the planter, the farmer. And we're not going to go through that. That would be a series all by itself. But I want to draw your attention to a, a simple truth in there. The, the sower was, you know, the farmer planting seeds on different types of ground. And depending on the condition of the ground, it would do different things with the seed, all right, and not all of it was good. Only one one kind of ground would produce a crop and produce fruit. He likened that to the heart. He said the seed that the farmer plants is the word of God. So the goal is for God's word to get into our hearts, and if it is in our hearts and stays there long enough in the right condition, it will produce what God sent it to do. Okay, and and, and by the way, that's a fact. That's just the way God's Word works. He is faithful. What He promised, He will perform. I tell you, He will make good on everything He said. But we must receive what He said. It must be implanted into our hearts. And it must keep, we must keep an environment within our hearts that will allow it to stay and grow. Okay? But when we will, automatic, it's going to produce fruit. I mean, a salvation word will produce salvation in your life. A healing word will produce healing in your life. A victory word will produce victory. A joy word will produce joy. A prosperity word will produce prosperity. Whatever come out of the mouth of God, whatever He has promised, if we will take it, implant it, and let it stay there long enough, you'll see the results. Guaranteed. That is the way that it works. So, that's good news. Huh? I mean, we can all do this. But now watch. If you read those scriptures, even the, before what we're going to read now, you'll see that the goal from the Lord would be to get His Word in us. The goal from the devil would be to keep His Word out of us. I mean, the Word of God is so very serious. It's so very impacting. And so the devil comes immediately to try to stop it. So in this context, as we're studying the Word, we're getting into the things of God, we're hearing from heaven, what would be the, the devil's first strategy? Well, primarily to get you... First strategy would be, don't show up. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> we're here. Right? Don't show up, don't even hear it. 
Don't even learn anything. Don't even hear from heaven. Don't even open yourself up. Give, give an opportunity for those thoughts to influence your life. But once you do, he wants to help you to not understand or distract. Get your focus on something else. So it's just kind of noise. But no impact of the heart. So he will come. What does Satan do? He comes immediately to try to take that word out. Immediately to try, try to take it away. But if he can't get to you immediately, that's when we get into what we're going to talk about. All right. If he can't get to it immediately, he's going to try to still dislodge that seed of God's word so it does not have the opportunity to produce what God said it would produce. Okay. So he's still after us. Uh, even after we leave a service like this, even after you re- leave a time of teaching, he's after you because that seed is going to work and it's starting to grow. And, it's, and if it stays there long enough, God's stuff is going to be all over your life. God's stuff all over your, your, your influence. Yeah. Uh, so let's read over here, Mark chapter 4, verse 16. And it reads, These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness now we want that don't we that's a that's the good side we hear it whoo i'm excited about this i'm laughing i'm liking it i'm loving the word Uh, verse 17 and they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time afterward when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake immediately they stumble. King James Bible reads, immediately they are offended. Amplified Bible reads, they immediately are offended, become displeased, indignant, resentful, and they stumble and fall away. So you can see here the the strategy, the attack against believers is for the purpose of of removing a fruit producing word if it stays long enough it it explodes it produces so we've got to get it out so what's the deal the person that is vulnerable in this situation is the one who when they face opposition after receiving the word they get offended circumstances or people. They're persecuted. Things come against them. But notice, it's Satan's strategy. He's the one coming after people to take the word out. Yeah. So, in one sense, it's good to know because we can count on it. You know, hey, I knew that was coming. You know, bam! Ah, I knew that was coming. <laughs> now, I don't mean we enjoy it. Amen. I remember my, my, my grandpa when he was, he's in heaven now, uh, but years ago, and he would have people come and knock on his door um, to uh, promote their religion. And he would say to them, he said, you're here. He said, I was expecting you. They said, you were? They said, yeah, the Bible says in the last days false prophets will come. <laughs> so you know what I'm saying he wasn't caught off guard he was just saying hey I knew it was coming alright for us now, now seriously we should be ready for opposition I don't mean we want it don't mean we like it but not surprised by it 
Why? Because you have put yourself in a position to hear God's word. And that word is going to radically alter and change your reality for the better. It is life and life more abundantly. And so there's going to be opposition to give that up. You're not going to live on flowery beds of ease without opposition. You're not going to experience all of God's blessings and all of his favor and goodness and kindness in this life without being opposed. Well, I got, I got saved. I gave my life to Jesus. I don't understand. All hell broke loose. Well, what do you think? I mean, here's the deal. There is really a devil that's trying to kill, steal, and destroy. Yeah. So, knowing that's the fact, we can respond appropriately. But tribulation, persecution, these things arise for the Word's sake. The devil's goal is to keep you out of the Word. But if that fails, he'll try to dislodge it quickly. Meaning, all you can think about is the offense. All you can think about, get your mind distracted, all you can think about is how someone treated you wrong, how something didn't go your way. Uh, He sends opposition, gets people to oppose you, gets us to focus on trivial matters. You know, I don't like da-da-da-da-da. Now, I, I realize sometimes in the context of offense, it's real, it's legitimate, someone really did do you wrong. Someone really did hurt you. Someone treated you in a way they shouldn't have. Sometimes that's legit, but it's still a trap. And then other times, it's like, we need to grow up. Other times, it's we are too easily uh, fixated on things that don't matter a ton. Sometimes this happens in church. You know, offense. Do you know how offense sometimes happens in local churches? I don't know if you realize this, but uh, you know, and people get focused on things, and they're distracted from the word. But thoughts come. You know, the volume of the music, the temperature of the room, the intention of the usher, the joke of the pastor, the rudeness of the person behind me. The screens are too big. The song was too fast. The song was too slow. There was too much talk about money. There was no cross on the stage. They had coffee in the service. Ah! What about Jesus? What about the Word of God? Are we going to be so small-minded that we easily are distracted And all of a sudden, all of our attention is on that. All of our focus is on. And it's not an eternal issue. Everybody okay? No. Are you okay? (laughs) I'm not sure. (laughs) I'm I'm working on it. But, But here's the thing. Sometimes, individuals are offended at God, and they don't even know it. They think they're upset with a person. They think they're upset with an individual, but really they're upset at God. Sometimes they're taking it out on individuals. But I know this, that I've had situations where the Lord directed me. The Lord gave me instructions to do a certain thing a certain way, and there were some people that got offended at it. Well, what do you do with that? I mean, because they're not, they're offended at God. They're just, they just put me in that frame. But really, it was God. What are we going to do with that? 
I mean, even when you look at uh, the ministry of Jesus, there was one day when he uh, began to teach about people drinking his blood and eating his flesh. It was a tough analogy, I understand. But a whole bunch of people who were following him left. They said, no, we can't handle that. They left that day because they didn't like his sermon. And I find it interesting that Jesus didn't even go after him. He didn't run after him and say, wait, 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 wait. No, I didn't mean that. You know, I just meant. They just left. Who lost? They did. They did. They should have. So what should have they done? Well, I wasn't there, but I think they should have humbled themselves and said, Lord, this is hard, hard for me to wrap my mind around. But you are who you are, and I see who you, I know what I do know. Teach me and help me understand. There's a better response than, oh, I can't believe you'd say that. How dare you think that? How, how dare you say that? Maybe there's something to learn. Amen. One of the uh, characteristics of a mature person, and I think this is needed in all of our lives, a mature person, they know how to get over it. If we don't know how to get over it, life is going to be long and hard. Because <laughs> huh? there's a lot of it's in life to get over. There are. It's just we're either going to make this a mountain or we're going to make it a molehill. We're either going to uh, dismiss it and say, I'm going on. I'm not going to let this hurt me or harm me or affect me on a long-term basis. Or I'm going to keep staring at it and let it keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. We've got to learn how to get over things. The immature will make a big deal out of everything. Everything becomes dramatic. Everything is a crisis. Um, you ever, those of you parents who've had children, I mean, oh, a young child, you got a toddler that loses their blankie. The world is over. I mean, have you ever seen, I mean, they genuinely feel the pain tears running will run down their face what's wrong what's wrong did someone die did so I, I lost my blankie <laughs> and as a mature person you think oh okay you're compassionate how they feel but they're looking at the world from a different angle aren't they and you grow up obviously we can see things with a little more uh, you know a little bigger picture we can see the whole of life but the mature are able to see what's truly important and not spend their time fussing about the trivial. And this does affect grown-ups. Because sometimes we fall under this where we are fussing about trivial matters. We're making such a big deal. We don't get done. We don't get the big things done because we're so focused on the little things that don't really matter. Let me ask you a question. Um, are you easily offended? Are you easily offended? Don't nobody. I don't expect hands to be raised. And yeah, you got me there. And I'm offended that you asked in public, because now everybody knows. Uh, but let me let me go further. Do you disguise your immaturity by saying that you're a sensitive person? I know that was a harsh statement. Is that okay? <laughs> I, I, I think we need to ask honest questions. Sometimes we use words in the wrong way. I want to be 
I want to be sensitive towards God. I want him to, I want to feel what he said, you know, when he moves. I want to be very open to the things of God. But there's some other areas. I've seen people use that word in a wrong way. And they say, well, I'm just a sensitive personality. I said, you know what? You're just using that just to be immature. You're just saying that to cover up your right to be hurt constantly and to be upset and angry at everyone all the time. Everyone's doing you wrong. I think you need to stop being so sensitive. One day I looked that, that word up because I was thinking when I was thinking about this, I just looked it up in the dictionary. It's sensitive. It, it, it read, read this way: easily damaged, injured, or distressed by slight changes, easily offended or upset. So, I don't know. Maybe we replace that language instead of "I'm," um, you know, "I'm more of a sensitive person." How about we just say, "You know, I'm quickly, I'm quick to be offended." I'm easily upset. I'm very easily damaged by slight changes. Basically, have you ever walked on ice? (laughs) Basically, don't take a chance around me at all of doing anything in the slightest way that might be not perfect because it will damage me. And three years later, I'll show you it. I'll show it to you. Huh? I think we need to grow. Love, now, the love of God, agape, the love of God cannot be easily offended because it is not focused on self. Love, true love, the love of God is focused on others. And, And so it's not centered on how I feel about what you do. If all my feelings are based on what you do, I am very self-centered. I am very inward-focused. In, in the ministry of Jesus, he had to deal with this. And this is powerful that it could manifest this way. But Jesus went one time uh, to his hometown, Nazareth, to minister. And you know, you read the other stories. He would at times have a whole multitude of people, and every single one of them would be healed. I mean, the whole multitude. That's a good day of ministry. They were all healed. All the demons came out. All the sick were healed. Everyone left perfectly whole. I am excited about that service. Huh? Then he went home where he grew up. And the Bible says he was there able to do no mighty work. Mark chapter 6. He only, only a few people with minor ailments got healed. All the rest, Jesus came in. They were sick. Jesus left. They were still sick. He tried and he couldn't get it done. And here's the deal. He marveled at their unbelief. But in the context there, you know what happened? They were offended at him. That's what the scripture said. Matthew 13, 57. So they were offended at him. When people become offended, they shut down the power of God. Who, who were they offended at? Well, Jesus. Who were they ultimately offended at? God the Father. It just had to go through somebody. They were offended at Jesus, and that disabled him from flowing in the fullness of God's power and blessing toward their lives. I don't know, that's, this kind of seems serious to me now. When I think about the Word being planted in me, the devil is coming to disrupt it so it doesn't produce. 
when I think about Jesus going and, and he, he was fully anointed and he was full of faith, but he could himself could not minister to people because of their offense. I think how many of us are shutting down the full operation of God's power and blessings in our lives because we're upset with someone. We're angered at someone the way it was done or way it wasn't done. They, they treated me. See, what is often revealed in this is pride. Pride in its rears its ugly head in sayings like, how dare they? How dare they say that to me? How dare they treat me this? I don't have to be treated this way. What are you saying? I'm something. You should see me as something. How dare you think of me as something, anything less than what I am? What are you? Here's how I describe it. Proud, arrogant, someone who needs to put their face in the carpet and cry out to the Lord and say, I humble myself before you until you lift me up and you make me something because I've made myself something to where no one can say or do anything or disagree with me or I'm hurt by it. Everybody okay? Man, that offends me. It offends who? Me, because I've built myself up in my mind as something that no one can say anything crosswise to. All right. Everybody okay? I don't mean for this to be too harsh, but I, I, I hope it's helpful. Uh, I think we should all, on the other side of this, we should seek to be non-offensive. I'm not giving everyone permission. Run people over because it's all on them. (laughs) Just be rude and obnoxious and judgmental and everything else. Because if they have a problem, that's their problem. It's not your... No, then it became your problem too. I'm just not dealing that so much with that side. But uh, that is a reality. I don't want to be an offensive person. We shouldn't... If I can do something to avoid someone else being offended, I've helped them not fall into the devil's trap. And I want to help that. Uh, in, in Bible days, they had these issues. Um, for example, one of the things they had trouble with is when food, when I say Bible days, New Testament, New Covenant days, when food was offered, when meat was offered to idols, they had, where some Christians said, you can't, you can't eat that. Those pagans offered that to their false gods. And they said, you can't eat that. That would be sin. And others came along and said, Dude, it's just meat, man. <laughs> Barbecue it. <laughs> Put some sauce on it and eat. Now watch. In, when Paul was dealing with the issue, he didn't, he didn't say, no, you're right, you're wrong, you're, you know, do it. He said, listen, be mindful of the other person. There are some situations, he said, there, there are things that I have to avoid eating or I have to avoid drinking. I'll do it in a second so I don't harm someone. So that should be the Christian's heart. I'm not seeking to just do whatever I can do. Bless God, we live under grace, and I can go anywhere and do anything, and all things are open. That's not the, the fullness of life. The, the love life of a believer says it's not just about what I want, but what I do and how, what I receive, what I eat, what I drink. How does that affect someone else? Could I cause them to stumble? And if that's the case... I'm going to avoid it. All right. So I think there's a reality there. Our witness for Christ is of great value. 
you know, 1 Timothy 3, 7 reads this way, Moreover, he must, this is a leader, have good testimony among those who are on the outside, who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. And so there's, there's some restrictions we might put upon ourselves to keep our testimony. So other people are not hindered from coming into the kingdom of God. Yeah. But on the other hand, let's say, let me get back on the other side. Do you know the offender is not always wrong? When someone said, I'm offended at that person. That doesn't necessarily mean that person did something wrong. You know, Jesus is called the rock of offense. And that scripture is repeated multiple times through the New Testament. It's an Old Testament prophecy. He is the rock of offense. You know, people are offended at Jesus all day long. And we're not going to reshape Jesus to, to, to try to fix that. We're not going to say, Jesus, could you be a little nicer? Enough with this one-way business. <laughs> Enough with this narrow path. Just let everybody in. No, <laughs> Jesus is who he is, and some will be offended. So it just makes me see, sometimes if I'm upset, I'm bugged, that doesn't automatically mean that the other person is in the wrong. It might just be me. Hallelujah. Well, in finishing here today, uh, I know someone might say, well, because we go back to the Word, the Word being implanted, Satan trying to take it away. Someone says, I really love God's Word, but man, that just offends me. You know, that doesn't agree with Scripture. It doesn't. You know, the, the psalmist of the Old Testament, the 119th Psalm said, great peace have those who love thy law, and nothing shall offend them nothing. What can I do to guard myself against this? I should jump into the Word of God and meditate on it day and night. I should receive this Word with such gladness and recognize the potential of what it will produce in my life, how it will produce exactly what God said. His promises will all manifest in my life. I need to love it so much that when I'm opposed, I recognize the opposition is trying to get this out of me. And I say, uh, not going to do it. This is too valuable here. I mean, this is too valuable. I'm not going to mess. I'm not going to spend any time being upset, being offended, all this stuff with all these. No, I'm going to value God's word. And I tell you, the enemy wants to trip people up to get them out of their place. Because when they're out of their place, they're not receiving what goes into that place. God positions someone in a certain place, and then he is able to speak and minister and use them. And if they are tripped up, they get upset, they get out of that place, and now they're no longer in a place of receptivity to receive God's best. Thank you, Lord. That last part was really good for some few people, I think. Amen. But the more we receive, we do this. I tell you, you can become uh, Teflon-aided. receive enough words so you become like Teflon to offense and attack and persecution and things come against you it's like that egg fried egg and just slides right out of that pan you know and, and things come against you hmm. <laughs> it just slides right off of you it's like I'm not going to let that stick you know like kids say I'm rubber you're glue you all know that one yeah, yeah. I don't have to finish it then. Become that way. I'm just not going to let these things stick to me. 
And I know sometimes it's hard, it's easier to say this than actually do it, but it's so serious. Value God's word, value the end result. Say, I'm not going to let that be the case in my life. And one last thing. Can I say one more thing? Did I already give you the last thing? You know, the little boy, when he was sitting next to his dad in his church, and the, pre- the preacher said, and in conclusion, and, and, and the boy said to his dad, Dad, what does that mean? He said, nothing. <laughs> so I didn't use that word. Real, real quick, borrowed offenses. You ever heard of those? A borrowed offense. Beware of a borrowed offense. That kind of works like this. Uh, one person is hurt, they're offended, they're upset with how they were treated by someone else. And because you love that person, they're a friend, they're a family member, you take on their hurt. You are not even done wrong, but now you're upset too. Now you're angered. I'm telling you, it's the enemy trying to get into your life. If he can't get you directly, he'll try to get you through somebody else. And what often happens is that first person, the one who was offended... They, at some point, deal with it, and they forgive, and they let go, and they heal up. Their cut's gone, and they deal with it, but you don't really know that, or you don't know the full story. You only heard their version of it to begin with, and so it was extra harsh, because it was one-sided. But they got it fixed, and here you are, still being pounded in the head by the devil, You're just being beat up because you're still upset at that person, how they treated your loved one. Here they go on and the enemy's just knocking you around. So watch out for those kind of things. I'm upset about someone because of how they treated someone I know, someone I care about. It's a trap. Totally a trap. Amen? Let me pray for you today. Let me encourage you as I pray. To pray yourself. If you can identify any any of this, there's no condemnation. But we should have wisdom, and let's access the Lord's grace and His mercy in our lives right now. If you need to let things go, deal with some things, then do it before the Father right now. Before we finish, Father in Jesus' name, thank you. We hope you enjoyed this message. Find our other messages on iTunes or visit our website at lcboise.com and follow us on social media, Life Church Boise. Thank you and have a blessed day.